in Chilak Aleph of Sheilus Hutshu with me, Ma'amakim, Simon Lamed, Rav Ashri, uh, deals with the following. He says that uh, after uh, the war, uh, when the Jews had already been saved, uh, they saw in Kovno and its surrounding communities that uh, there had been tremendous destruction, not only from a physical point of view, but the Germans had also, as uh, is well known, had sought to destroy uh, Yiddishkeit, destroy any connection to Torah, to mitzvos. Um, shuls had been destroyed, Batimedrish had been destroyed, and the Sfarim had been destroyed. He says that in uh, the Kovno ghetto, it was impossible to find any Sfarim at all. Amazing thing. Kovno, which was an ear of Ein Israel. Uh, so he says that there wasn't any Gemara, there wasn't a Siddur, a Chumash, a Nach, absolutely nothing. An astonishing kind of uh, statement, that, uh, that, 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 which indicates, which reflects that this was uh, clearly um, a, uh, an element of the Nazi hatred towards Kalah Yisrael, was a hatred towards uh, Torah as well. So finally, finally, he said, after several weeks, he found um, several boxes full of Sfarim, in a uh, certain uh, storage area. These farm had been confiscated um, from the Jews of in Hamburg. What happened was the Nazis had uh, um, deceived the Jews there and told them that they were going to uh, relocate them um, to another place and therefore that they should uh, gather together their belongings. And then they uh, took the Jews to what he refers to as the Mivtsar Hachi, the uh, Ninth Fort, which was outside of Kovno. That was a place which is referenced over and over again in Ravashi's Shuvos, a place where um, Jews were slaughtered uh, by the Nazis. And uh, the Jews of Hamburg were taken to that place, to this uh, Ninth Fort. And their, then obviously their possessions... Um, were then taken away to other places, and he found that th- there were a number of boxes um, of svarim which uh, had been taken away together with the rest of the belongings, and then he took these svarim, he took them to the base medrash, he refers to a particular base medrash called base medrash al Hoisman, and um, then people were able to use them. Then, Ravashvi says, the shamish of the base medrash, somebody by the name of Rebruvain, he told him, uh, tearfully that the, he saw that the non-Jews uh, were wrapping up um, various different uh, food items, fish and other things, uh, with pages from Sifrei Kodesh, from the Shas, the Rambam, Tur, and Shulchan Aruch. And these had been brought from the uh, storehouse of Tfus Reim Vilna, which is uh, you know, famous uh, publishers of the Vilna Shas. So he wanted to know, the question arose, that Ravashi had to deal with, was was there some kind of obligation that they had to go track down the source of these uh, of these uh, p- these pages from Sifrei Kodesh, um, and then to purchase it, to pay for it in order to save them uh, from Bizayon. And then the second question would be if they... If they would uh, save them from Bizayon and purchase them, what should they do with them at this point in time? So Ravashri then has to deal with a couple of questions. Number one, the um, status of uh, pages, pages from Sifrei Kodesh and um, what to do with them if they can't be used for learning purposes. Ravashri starts the tshuva 
with a, a Mishnah at the beginning of Perik Kol Kisve Mesecha Shabbos Daf Kuftes Vavam Beis. The Mishnah there says Kol Kisve Kodesh Meitzil Nusan Mipnei Adleka that um, you're allowed to save if there's a fire on Shabbos. So you're allowed to save Kisve Kodesh. You're allowed to save Torah Shabichsav, and uh, even if it's written in another language, you're also allowed to save it. Um, and then quotes a critical line from the Rush that the Rush says that uh that nowadays um, the even though in the time of the Gemara the when they only were allowed to write Tarash Bihsav, so Tarash Balpeh would not be written down. But the Rush says nowadays we write Tarash Balpeh because of A Slasos Lashem Sarasacha. So therefore um, this is considered to be part of the Torah that you would be allowed to save Mibliad Leka. Now this din, that you need a special dispensation in order to save uh, the um, the Kisvei HaKodesh, that's based upon the following. It's based upon the concern that Chazal had that if you would allow people to save things in time of a fire, a person is Bohu Lamamono, and consequently a person might, in trying to save everything, might then put out the fire. So they wanted to limit actually what the person would be able to save. Um, comes up later in the Gemara as well, on Kuf Yud Zayin Umid Beis, that uh, the Gemara says there that uh, you're only allowed to save a certain amount of food. Um, and it's for this reason. Uh, because, again, if a person is so intent on trying to save everything, uh, then the person's going to be rushed and rushed and rushed and rushed, and then they're gonna, not going to have the composure, the presence of mind to remember they're not allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. Um, and also... Uh, they were, some, sometimes there would be a certain leniency involved in this if they didn't make the proper kind of what we call Eruv, and there would be an Isamid Rabbanon to carry into a particular area, um, from the house. Um, nonetheless, they relaxed that restriction in order to be able to save the Kisve HaKodesh. But what's important over here is the Rosh expands the Kisve HaKodesh to Tereshabal Peh as well. It's based upon the famous, um, you know, uh, the, the famous principle that we have that even though Torah Baalpeh originally was not supposed to be written down, but, uh, in the time of Chazal, they saw that the Torah was going to be forgotten. There's a principle, which means that in a situation such as that, um, you are able to do something which initially would have been prohibited, but then to, to save and to perpetuate the uh, Torah in general, um, you need to write down Torah Peh, and therefore that's the reason why we we write down Torah Peh nowadays. Much of the Torah, most of the Torah that we have nowadays is Torah Peh, right? Most of the Torah we have is not Torah Shabbat and uh, we assume that we basically treat that um, as Mutter Lechatchila, and the Rosh is saying that this is considered to be something which takes on intrinsic significance, and therefore you're allowed to save it um, from a fire. Uh, the Rosh says this elsewhere as well, and the Rosh famously, um, you know, gives uh, a, a certain status to the writings of uh, Tersha Baal Peh um, in regard to Geniza, which we're going to get to shortly. So this is Paskind in the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says this, you're allowed to save it from a fire, you're allowed to save it, he says, from Makamaturfa, which means to play, say, a place where it's going to be um, it's going to be a place which is inappropriate, something about the place which is, uh, which is uh, going to cause a bizoyon, a degradation to the Torah, um, so you're allowed to take it away from that place as well, and these leniencies apply. Um, and therefore, 
says Ravashri, it would seem clear that this is saving it from a base satur, for they're using the svarim, uh, the pages of the svarim, in order to wrap up fish and other disgusting kinds of things, and therefore that would be considered permissible. Um, now, the uh, th- that's uh, the f- first point. Second point in regard to this is the obligation of Geniza. He quotes uh, the the from the Rambam that the, initially the obligation of Geniza is uh, in is the is the obligation to avoid the mitzvah in the Torah that you are not allowed to destroy um, the shameless hakadoshim. A person were to destroy shameless of a baruch Hu, the person would receive malchus. This is the Rambam in Perikvav of Hilchas Yisodiyat Torah. Um, and the halacha that flows from this, the Rambam writes later, is in regard to Kisvi Hakodesh Shabalu Oshikasvan Akum Yiganzu. That if you have Kisvi Hakodesh, then you have to um, you have to put them into Geniza. So the idea behind Geniza initially, the initial obligation regarding Geniza is to protect the name of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, right, from being destroyed. Um, so it's a the general initial obligation. But uh, then we find a discussion amongst the um, post-gim as to whether the uh, obligation of um, Geniza uh, also extends, or the, you might say the, the prohibition that, it, that it, it's based upon, does that also extend to um, gram uh, or grama uh, of Mechika Sashem? Let's say, for example, a person didn't cause the uh, name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to be blotted out, uh, to be destroyed directly, but it was through an indirect, it was in, it done in an indirect kind of way. So he quotes some achlokas amongst the achronim in regard to this. There were some achronim that argued that um, the Easter of Mechika Hashem of destroying Hashem's name is only when it's done directly. They're a chasa, uh, but if it's done in an indirect kind of way, then it would be uh, permissible. On the other hand, he quotes. A number of Achronim who say that that's not true, who say that uh, even through grammar would be prohibited. And after again quoting a number of Achronim in regard to this, he quotes um, from the uh, from Rav Eliezer Gordon, um, the Chuvas of Rav Eliezer Gordon, who um, wonders why the tour in the Shulchan Aruch, why they wouldn't have mentioned such a leniency in regard to this that you're allowed to cause mechikas Hashem indirectly that grama is permissible that's not mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch he says because in fact the halacha is that you're not allowed to cause mechikas Hashem and he quotes the halacha in regard to this uh, that uh, if you have a Sefer Torah that Shebola Sefer Torah which has uh, become worn away and no longer can be used you put it into Geniz and Ikli Cheres you put it into a, an earthenware vessel that will protect it, and then you bury it. Um, so he says, what do you see from here? When you put it into the earthenware vessel, which is going to be durable and remain for a long time, you're protecting it from even grama of mechikas Hashem. You don't want it even to be done indirectly, and and therefore you have to you know, go to an extreme in order to protect the Sefer Torah Shabbala. So he says that all these poskims seem to say pretty clearly, strongly, that um, even grama of mechika sashem is uh, prohibited. For this reason, what one should do is when one has um, svarim, sidurim, etc., that uh, have a status of uh, of kedusha, and there's an obligation of geniza, so you should not just leave it somewhere or another where it will get destroyed. You should not just, um, you know, uh, 
you know, do something or nothing, whatever, to take an approach in which uh, something might happen to. You have to actively um, make sure to protect it from uh, degradation, uh, from bizayon, and therefore that's the reason why he notes the generally the view of the acronym is that you put uh, these kinds of things, even if it's Torah uh, Shabbat you put them into Geniza. That's the general approach which is accepted by the postgim. He mentions that um, in the in the Shabbos Shuvat Shaul Meshiv, he says that this was the uh, custom in Lavov that they would be gonez the svarim um, by a Talmud Chacham that uh, this would be done on a periodic uh, basis. And others, others, it's mentioned in various different posts, they would have such a custom, um, that sometimes once a year they would get together and they would take the uh, Gniza and they would uh, actually, you know, it would be an event in which the community would bury the Gniza. Um, so, in any case, he says, this is what should be done in this circumstance as well, uh, that they should, Ravashri give up sack, that they should try to redeem, to buy back these uh, pages, whatever they could find, um, and then afterwards, they would uh, put them into Geniza. So he says that the this was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, that the people who had survived the war, who obviously had next to nothing, they actually, as he puts it, set aside of their rations of food and sold it in order to be able um, to get some money together and to be able to purchase these uh, pages of these Sfarim in order to put them into into Geniza. And he said um, that this was... In regard to how the, to do the Geniza, he says this was a custom which existed in Lithuania, um, based upon the Horah, the Psak of Rabbi Yitzchok Hanon, who was the, considered by many to be the uh, Posek Ador of his time um, in the uh, 19th century. So he says that they followed in Lithuania, they followed the Psak, that uh, they would um, gather together all the Svarim from the Beis HaKnesses, etc., and they would put them into bags, and they would bring to the Beis HaKfaros and bury them in the ground. Um, and he says they would bear, actually bury it in a kever osamikrashim kamoteva. They would make some kind of wooden box, and they would bury it there inside of this uh, inside of this box. Um, and uh, he, he mentions that this is true. That you have other postgames as well. We we'll also note that you don't have quite the same uh, obligations as uh, you find in the regular Sefer Torah, um, and you're able to bury it even. It, to a depth of a tefach as opposed to other times when you have to bury a, to a depth of at least three tefachim. Um, it has to be three tefachim under the ground, uh, but in this case, you wouldn't have to go to such an extreme. So he says this is what they did with these farim. Um, I'll just note that one thing which Ashri does not clarify fully, he seems to get to this at the end of the tshuva, but he doesn't uh, say this explicitly, is that the posgim will, will mention a, um, a fundamental distinction between two different uh, kinds of things that are buried. If you have um, items such as tefillin or sefer Torah mezuzos, which have uh, become possible and or have worn away, and they have to be buried, so those items have intrinsic kedusha uh, by the fact that um, you know you write you write a parsha of the Torah on cloth. So that gives it a status of intrinsic Kedusha. And then in Halacha, you have these uh, various different Halachos in regard to something which is Guf Kedusha, and then you have Tashmish Kedusha, right? Let's say, for example, the mantle of a Sefer Torah, which is touching the Sefer Torah, is considered to be a Tashmish of Kedusha. Then you have things which are a Tashmish, the Tashmish, they don't touch the Sefer Torah directly, they're on the outside. But uh, in any case, those are um, particular Halachos that come up in regard to in regard to um, these kinds of uh, 
items which have intrinsic kedusha. In regard to those items, the poskim say that you are obligated to bury it in a klicheres, which is what's mentioned in the in, in the Gemara, or the equivalent thereof. Um, in other words, you have to protect it from being destroyed. And this is actually, Rav, Rav Rashi doesn't make this distinction clearly, um, but this is what comes out from the halacha. There you have an obligation to prevent it, to go to an extreme, to prevent it even from gram, from grama of of uh, of destruction, um, and therefore you put it into something which is going to last for a very long time, right? A strong earthenware vessel is going to last for a very long time, is going to protect the um, the uh, Sefer Torah, the mezuzah, the tefillin, which have um, which uh, have deteriorated and no longer can be used, so it's going to protect it for a very long time. However, as Rav Asher himself says at the end of the tshuva, um, it's different in regard to svarim and sidurim, um, because svarim and sidurim, because of the fact that they are not written on cloth, in the same way between gemaris and other things, um, they're not written on cloth, so therefore, even though we treat it with a level of kedusha, and you want to protect it from any degree of bizayon, you want to the opposite, you want to give it kavod. Right, so therefore we put it into what we call geniza. We call it shemos. That's it's a generic, general term that we use. It's n- not shemos per se, right? It's not the names of a kadosh baruch per se. What, what, what we're protecting it from is it's kind of bizarre because we do attribute kedusha to it and we treat it with respect. Um, but nonetheless, as he puts, as he says, they would put it into bags and they would put it. Uh, you know, they they would bury these bags in in the basak faros. Um, I, well, the reason I'm mentioning this is because it is an important point that sometimes people can get mixed up and they can think, you know, you, there's one thing called Geniza or one thing called Shemos, and then they put everything inside of it. And then, as a consequence, you could have a situation in which, um, you know, in a shul or in a yeshiva or whatever else, that's some place where they're collecting Geniza and Shemos, and they will uh, take, let's say, for example, a person might have old parrots' film they can't use anymore. They might have mezuzahs which are not usable. Um, and they might put it together with the rest of the Geniza. And then it's taken away afterwards, and what's done with it. It's usually not um, put in some kind of klicheres um, and buried in the way that was described in Chazal, in the way that uh, you should bury these things which have intrinsic kedusha. It will be buried by putting it in bags, either plastic bags or paper bags, and then it's uh, buried somewhere in the ground. Um, in regard to Sefer Torah, Tzfilim Mezuzos, then the, there's an obligation to bury it in, in a much in a much uh, more careful kind of way, and a way which is not so simple. In other words, uh, it's, you have to track down some kind of receptacle, which uh, they have someplace in Eretz Yisrael, for example, they will have them, that they have these kind of receptacles for burying Sifrei Torah and, and Tzulim Mezuzos, but it's not something so easy to come by. Um, and if a person has these kinds of uh, articles of Kedusha, um, and needs to bury them, then they have to make sure that they're going to bury them in a kedasvik in a proper kind of way. It can't be put together with the rest of Geniza and then buried in the ground in uh, paper, plastic uh, bags. That's, that would not be sufficient. Uh, the halacha is, you put it in the klicheres, because as Ravashri says, you have a real obligation to make sure that it's not going to, um, it's, it's going to do what is humanly possible to prevent it from, um, from Bizayon. Uh, and uh, that's just something which is important, which emerges in the tshuva on a halacha level, because he says that the custom was that they would bury it, you know, they would put it into bags and bury it based upon the Pesach of Yitzchakhan, and he says this was the custom in Lithuania. He doesn't really fully explain why there's no obligation of klicheres, which he'd referenced before. So I just wanted to uh, make that point. In any case, this is what they did. Um, the Jews in the Kovno ghetto really, um, you know, 
were mostly nefesh in order to try to um, give kavod uh, to these uh, pages of uh, svarim and of sidurim um, that had been subject to these items.